Good to see everyone out this evening if you're visiting with us. I don't know if we have any visitors, but if we do, we're glad you're here. And I welcome you to come each and every opportunity that you have to be with us. There are several books that we deal with that we would like to have our name written in. I know when I go and vote, I pull out my driver's license and hand it to the person. I fill out a little slip of paper, and then they take that little piece of paper and they go over to a book. Usually the book is sitting right next to that individual that has my little slip of paper. And they look in that book and they compare it and they look at the signature and they make sure the address and everything, the birth date, is all the same like it's supposed to be. And so when I go and vote, I want my name written in that registrar's book so that I can cast the ballot. There's other places that we go to that we would like to have our names written in their book. You may go to an eye doctor or a dentist appointment. You want your name written in their appointment book if it's an appointment day. You go to the doctor, you want your name written in that book. And so I think that we can see the importance of having our name in some books. Some books you don't want to have your name in. If it's a book of crime, you don't want to have your name in that book. But I was at the doctor a while back, and when I was there, there was a man, an older man, came walking in. He walked up to the counter and started to sign in, and they recognized him, and they said, Why are you here today? He said, I have an appointment. And they said, No, your appointment is tomorrow. Well, will I be able to see the doctor today? No, you'll have to see the doctor tomorrow. So if your name wasn't written in the book on that particular day, you weren't going to get in. And I think that that's true of the book that we're going to be talking about tonight. And that's the book of life. We want our name written in that book. Because all the other books that there are in this world matters not if our name is not written in the book of life. In the process of saying goodbye to the saints at Philippi, the Apostle Paul mentions some of those whose names are written in the book of life. And this must refer to a roll of names which is kept somewhere other than here on earth. It's some place that God has it. And those that are saved, it appears, are written in that book. So I want to talk about that tonight because it's mentioned in many different places in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Its existence is mentioned in Exodus chapter 32 and verse 33. It says there, And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. The children of Israel were guilty of sin, and Moses was pleading with God. And he asked God to wipe out his name or blot his name out. And God said, I'll blot out those who sin against me. So in other words, I can't take someone else's place, nor can you take my place. We're responsible for our own name. We're responsible for ourselves to have our name written in that book. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, And at the time shall Michael stand up and the great prince 
which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a, t- a time of trouble such as never was seen. There was a nation even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. In addition to those Old Testament passages, we can find there's reference in other passages of Scripture. If you have your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Because there I think that we really see the importance of having our name in a book. In Luke Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 17, it says, "...and a seventy return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils were subject unto, uh, unto us through Thy name. And He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven." Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be or by any means hurt you. Now Jesus is telling his these the seventy disciples that you know you're going to be able to do some powerful things. And I'm sure that they were impressed, and I would imagine that we would be impressed to be able to see that they could cast out devils or that devils would listen to what they said. But listen to what it says in verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name, your names are written in heaven. That is something to rejoice about. That is something that should give us thrills in our lives to know that our name is written in the book. We can also look at another example. Turn over to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, And unto the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things hath he, he that hath seven spirits of God, and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou hast not watched, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Here we see a congregation of God's people. Jesus Christ himself is making an assessment of this congregation, the church at Sardis. And he realizes that there are some that have departed that are not doing what they're supposed to do. But he also realizes that there are some who have not defiled their garments that they're still faithful, it appears. But He warns them and He warns others that they need to overcome. What do we need to overcome? We need to overcome the world. We need to overcome what Satan may throw at us. We have to overthrow the temptation to do things that we shouldn't. We need to overcome the desire that many have to listen and be obedient to false teaching. And so they were encouraged to overcome. Because if they did not, then their name would be blotted out of the book. And I believe that this is a good Scripture, a good passage of Scripture, to show that once saved, always saved, is not true. That that is false doctrine. These individuals were members of the Lord's church. 
They had believed. They had obeyed. They had been baptized. They did what they were supposed to do to become a member of the body of Christ, to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so I've heard people that will say, well, if they're lost, then they never were saved to begin with. These individuals were saved. And so there's evidence there that you can fall from grace. And Jesus is saying that our name can be blotted out, which means that if it can be blotted out, at some point, it had to be written in. And so it's important to have our name in that book. Over in Revelation chapter 20, and verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, <clears throat> small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Steve gave an invitation on a Wednesday night and he talked about this very scene, that the books were going to be open. And one of those books, I believe, is the book of life, that it's going to be open. And the Bible is another book. And our life is a book that's going to be open. Paul referred to our lives or our, our examples as a living epistle. So we're writing a life or we're writing a book about our life every day that we live. And so the books will be open and we're going to be judged. And on that day, we want our name written in that book. We want to have it found. And we don't want to find it blotted out where it was. We want to find our name written there on that occasion. Revelation 21, verse 27, "...and there shall in no wise enter into it any that defile it, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life." Remember that individual that I mentioned that had gone to the doctor and thought his appointment was on the day that he was there. He was wrong and he was not allowed to see the doctor on that particular occasion. He had to come back on the day that his appointment was made for. So he did not gain entry. And so we need to understand that on the day of judgment, we're going to stand before our judge. And we want to make sure that our name is in that book because no one whose name is not written in that book will get into heaven. If your name's not there, you will not enter into heaven. And there are going to be people that are pleading and begging on that day because we see that in different pictures that we see about what Jesus tells us about the judgment scene. There will be some that will be pointing out all the good things that they've done. But Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. What a sad, sad, difficult day that will be for those who think that they were saved only to find out that they were lost. That individual that went to the doctor got up, got dressed, made all the effort to get to his car or get into the transportation that he had, made that all, walk all the way down that long hallway to get to see that doctor in that office, but he didn't get to see him that day. We don't want that to happen on the day of judgment. And so this book of life is the Lord's role. It is our responsibility to teach and to baptize people. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Jesus had the authority. He told His apostles, we have the same instructions that we are to take the Gospel to the world. That we are to teach. Doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved. Doesn't mean everyone's going to accept the message. But our responsibility is to go out and to teach. And those that are receptive, as we mentioned this morning, we have free will. Those that make the choice that they want to obey God can do so by the first step of believing and repenting and confessing and then being baptized. Jesus doesn't mention all of those, but that's part of the belief. We believe what Jesus said about Himself and we believe what Jesus says we must do in order to be saved. And then we take that step. It's not enough just to believe in repentance. We have to believe enough about repentance that we're going to change our way. We're going to stop doing those things that we once did that we know that we shouldn't do and that are contrary to God's will. And so we are baptized into Christ. And so we teach. We do what we're supposed to do. And when someone obeys the Gospel, their name is written in the book of life. And part of the process that we have, as we see in that particular verse, is that we continue to teach. We continue to grow. The Apostle Peter tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are to grow and to continue to grow. Second Timothy chapter two and verse two. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So you look at that passage, <clears throat> I've had people that will say when they look at what Jesus said in the Great Commission that that's not for us. That is to the apostles. That was their responsibility. Yes, it was their responsibility, but what does that next verse that I just read in Second Timothy chapter two and verse two? Teach that to faithful men who can teach that to others. And then it continues on and on and on. And so some 2,000 years later, we still have a responsibility to preach the Gospel to those that are lost. But you see, it's God's responsibility to add the people. You might realize that from what was said in Scripture when one person watered or planted, another person watered, but it was God that gave the increase. And so you may teach someone. Someone else may come along and water what has been said, help it along by teaching a little more, but it's God that gives the increase, and that's what we need to understand. It's nothing against us when people reject the Gospel. It's against Christ. It's against God. It's against that Spirit that gave us the Word of God. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 47, we find there on the occasion of Pentecost when about 3,000 people were saved by being baptized into Christ. It tells us in verse 47, "...praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved." So who is it that decides whether one's saved or lost? We can look at the Scripture and sometimes compare life to the Scripture and we can look and say, well, this person is going against God. And certainly if they're involved in some of the things that we have seen in the Scripture that tells us that if you're doing these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, then we know that they're lost. But it's God that does the increase. It's God that adds people to the church. We don't get to vote. We don't get to decide. It's God that does it. And He knows the heart of the individual that is obeying the Gospel. 
And so when man teaches and baptizes, God will automatically add if that one is prompted by the right motives. That's important. Their heart has to be in the right place. We could go out and we could dunk people. I've known people that were dunked in the baptistry for the wrong reason. I know some that were dunked in the water so they could go to the men's business meeting. I know there were some that were baptized to impress somebody else, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's not the right reason. God knows our heart. He knows our sincerity. And so we have to obey from the heart that form of doctrine. But at the same time, brethren will add the names when someone obeys the Gospel. They'll add their name to the roll. We have a church directory, and in that church directory, we have a little star or asterisk by those that are members of the church. And I used to have a note. I don't know what's in the directory at the beginning now, but I used to have a note that I placed in the front of the directory that said, by having your name in this book does not mean that it's written in the book of life. And that's the one that's important. Because sometimes we look at the directory and say, oh, this is, this, is, this is the people. And if I'm in there, that's great. Well, yeah, that's great. But being in heaven's better. That's where we want to have our name written. And so it is necessary for one to do the right thing. And it's necessary that we have the proper care one for another as we live this Christian life. And as we look at this book of life, the book which brethren keep are different. The directory is not the same. The book of life is what God adds us to. The question is, is my name on the Lord's roll? Is my name in the book of life? We see from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3 that some did have their name written in the book of life. My name is not on that roll if I have not met the requirements of salvation. If I have not obeyed what we call the Gospel of Christ. If I have not from the heart obeyed the commands of God. If I do not believe and if I do not repent and if I do not confess, if I do not follow through with baptism, then my name's not written in there. And all of those steps which we refer to as steps, are important. Because it would be possible for someone to believe, fail to repent, have no intentions of repenting, but confess the name of Christ and being buried with our Lord in baptism. Does that make him a Christian? No. Because Peter said, repent and be baptized. Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So all of those steps are important in getting our name written in that book. You see, birth does not put our name there. The names of Paul's fellow servants were there. And that means that they had done what Paul had done that we read in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 where it says, Now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized? And wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But here's the thing that we need to remember. We may get our name written in there. But even if our name is there, it may be removed. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, He that overcometh, 
the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. It's possible that we could go and vote, or go to vote, and find that our name is not written in that book of, of uh, voters for our particular precinct. <clears throat> and when that happens, there's rights that we have as citizens of this country to protest and to do the things that are necessary to be able to cast our vote. But if our name is blotted out of the book of life, there is no appeal. There's no higher court to take it to. We're just lost. And what gets our name blotted out of that book? Impurities in our life. Sinful things in our life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we find people that were members of the church. The church at Corinth had many problems, but Paul still, Paul still referred to them as the church and as saints and those that had been washed. And they've been sanctified. But in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, we find there an individual that had his father's wife. And those on the outside of the church, that means the world, was looking in and they, they condemned that themselves. They thought it was awful. But the members of the church seem to be puffed up about it. And but listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of this out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without God or them that are without God judgeth, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. This person was to be delivered to Satan because he wanted him to realize what he needed to do, that he was in a serious condition with the life that he was living, that his soul was in jeopardy, and that he needed to make changes. And the Apostle Paul here is showing us that as Christians there's a standard that he expects us to live by. God expects us to live by it. And when we violate that standard, then there's a problem. And we can have our name blotted out of that book. And so sin can do that. And just so people don't think, well, I've committed these sins in the past before I became a Christian, and there's no way I can become a Christian, so I'm not even going to try. Well, look, I want you to look over in the 6th chapter, because that's also important, beginning in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, <clears throat> nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So there, Paul once again is saying, here's this list. If you do these things, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. 
but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our Lord. So before they became a Christian, they were in that condition. They were on that list. But when they obeyed the Gospel, when they went down in the watery grave of baptism, that sin was washed away. They had been justified by the blood of Christ. They had been set apart. And now Paul, as he said in the earlier verse, you've been set apart. Don't go out here and act like the world. You're going to be in the world, but don't act like the world. Because if you do the things that the world's doing, you're going to be delivered to Satan. And you're going to be lost. And you're going to have your name blotted out of the book. So impurities can cause that. Adding to God's Word can cause such a removal. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecies of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, <clears throat> God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So again, when we add to God's Word, when we take away from God's Word, our soul is in jeopardy. And here he specifically says that if we take away from His Word, He's going to take away our part out of the book of life. Certainly we don't want that to happen. <clears throat> We have a church directory. And as I mentioned that we have in the, I had a statement at one point that says that's, that's not the place to have your name. It's good to have it there. But remember, the best place is in heaven. And you don't want to find out that your name's been blotted out. How devastating that would be. <clears throat> because that book is someday going to be open. Revelation 20, verse 12. <coughs> Got this frog that don't want to go away. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in this book, or in the book, according to their works. In Revelation 20, we realize that it's a judgment scene that we have there that we can see what's going to take place. The time of this judgment, we don't know when it's going to be. I'm sure that if we had a date, if we knew that the judgment was going to take place on September the 30th of 2021, we would all be ready for that day. But God doesn't operate that way. He made us free moral agents and He gave us a choice. And He tells us what's going to happen and He asks us to be prepared for that. And if we're going to live the Christian life, shouldn't we be prepared every single day for that event? Should we do something tomorrow if we knew that tomorrow was going to be our last day? Should we plan to do something on that last day to make ourselves right with God? Why wouldn't we want to do it today? Someone said recently they don't like resolutions. That if we need to change, we need to change now. And that's the truth. We don't have to wait till the first of the year. Even though it is a good time to do things, but think about it. Today you figure out there's something that you need to change. Well, I'll make a resolution about that. You've got 11 and a half months to wait before you can change. <clears throat> That's a little scary, isn't it? 
realize you're driving on the wrong side of the road, how quick are you going to decide to move over to the right side of the road after you've figured it out? Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only God knows. And occasionally we'll have someone that will come up and say, this is the date. It's going to happen on October whatever. I know one day was, I think it was May 24th of a couple of years ago. It's supposed to happen. Didn't happen, did it? That's because man's not going to calculate when it takes place. Only God knows when it will take place. And it could be under any, at any time, <clears throat> under any condition. But it will come to pass. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3-4, through 4, it says, Let no, no man despise you by any means. For that day shall not come except there be a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, <clears throat> who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Well, that is worship, so that he as God sitteth on the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There's a great falling away that was to take place before the end would come. <clears throat> that end is going to come. And whenever that time is, I will be there, and you will be there also. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 32 When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate one, or separate them one from another, as a sheep divideth his sheep, <clears throat> as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. That day is coming. You want to be on the right side. You don't want to be on the side that's lost. Second Corinthians chapter ten or five and verse ten. <clears throat> For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. The question is, are we ready for that day? We sing a song, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. <coughs> when the roll is called up yonder, we'll all be there. The question is, will our name be written in that book? We've heard what we need to do to get our name written in the book. The exact same thing that the Apostle Paul did. The exact same thing that they did on the day of Pentecost. We need to <clears throat> believe, repent, confess, be buried with our Lord in baptism, and then remain faithful while we're here on this earth. When we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, imagine the joy that we will experience to know that we've lived a faithful life to God. So if your name's written in that book, live a life to keep it from being blotted out. If it's not written there, then do what you need to do to get it written there. Obey the Gospel. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.